Welcome to episode 73 of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast. I'm joined once again by Darren Hill. And Darren, we finally get to speak again. Uh, it's been bushfires, there's been uh, CEO firings, there's been chaos. <laughs> the world has uh, has stepped in to try and keep us apart, Daz, but we're finally able to speak in. How, how are you tonight? I am howling underneath the full moon, Daz. I've got, um, speaking of which, I've got two IPAs on deck, so if I start off slow, don't you worry. I'll, I'll be slurring by about minute 20, so <laughs> feeling pretty good, buddy. Well, that's good. Look, I wanted to start with your Milwaukee Bucks, actually, because I think it's been a couple of weeks now since we last spoke, and there was a game that happened a couple of weeks ago, which, uh, to me served as a real turning point and I don't think it's it hasn't been picked up on in my opinion I mean there's been some sort of overarching talk about uh, the state of the league and I guess LeBron's uh, as a legacy and I want to sort of talk about LeBron and Giannis and how they've sort of the parallels I guess and how mm. one one guy's going in one direction and the other guy's going in the other uh, and I felt like there was there was a two game stretch as where Milwaukee played the Lakers in LA, and then they turned up the back to back and they played Utah the next night in Utah, and that was the night. So the first game was close game, Lakers Milwaukee, really good game. Last two and a half minutes it was a two point game, and Milwaukee just ran their system, and the Lakers were just playing ISO ball that last two and a half minutes, eleven two run to the Bucks. Game over, and pretty much, and you called it at the time. You said that's the end of the Lakers' season. You called it right away, and they went in the very next night and lost to Phoenix, uh, which was the big story. And that was really was the end. But I think you called it right to say that that was the end. And then, of course, the the narratives burn around. Well, the LeBron James legacy, and the fact that LeBron has missed the playoffs in his first year in the, in the West Western Conference, and so that people are looking at that the effect that that has on his legacy and his sort of claims to be the greatest of all time, etc. But I think they're missing the greatest story. I mean, I, I think LeBron's legacy, to my mind, is pretty secure. No matter what happens from this point, I think they get people are going to look back to what he did in the, in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, you know, nine finals in a row, etc. I think the biggest story is it's no longer his league days. I think we're moved in to another era and we're, the LeBron era is over. Now, that doesn't mean that LeBron's you know, not a good player anymore and he's not going to have some great moments and play some great games. He's he's done that already this season, as we've spoken about. I think it's more about he is no longer the best player in the world and I don't think you can make a serious argument to suggest that's the case and, there, and there's nothing to suggest that he's going to reach that level again. Mm. I think the best player in the world now resides in Milwaukee and I think it was the very next night that I saw that I said, hang on, this is, and I only said this to you today because I was trying to hold it on to, to the actual pod, This it's Giannis's league now. He took over and, and when I realised it was... The very next night, they go into Utah. Buds rests Eric Bledsoe. Utah are coming off a massive win over Denver. Rudy Gobert is coming off, I would argue, the best game of his career where it absolutely destroyed Nikola Jokic uh, in the game against Denver. Prior to that, this is a guy's defensive player of the year last year, arguably the favourite to win it again this year. And you could just sense Giannis must have thought, this is a potential letdown game here. We've got no Bledsoe. We've got a back-to-back. 
We've got every excuse in the world to just come in and pack it in. It's a schedule loss waiting to happen. And as he came out breathing fire from the very first minute, <laughs> and he just emasculated Rudy Gobert in front of the Utah Jazz faithful, it was 11-0 within about two and a half minutes. Uh, the first eight points was Giannis on his own, two ferocious dunks right in Gobert's face. And Gobert ended up only playing about, I think, 16 minutes in the game. And he even said afterwards, he said credit to Snyder for sitting me because I was terrible. Uh, but he was just absolutely destroyed. And I thought this... And Giannis almost took it personally to think, this guy's the so-called defensive player of the year. Everyone expects us to lose this one. I'm, I'm showing up with my A game. Now, it turned into an absolute classic. I mean, if you haven't watched the highlights at home... Go and watch it because it, to me, was one of the top five games of the year, which went right down to the wide. Donald Mitchell had 45 points, a career high. Giannis had 44 himself. Derek Favors was unbelievably at 23 points, 18 rebounds. So it was one of the great games. And unfortunately, Milwaukee lost the game. And I say that unfortunately because had they have won, it would have been, you know, I think the game that sort of pushed. Giannis over the top in that MVP debate and everyone said, well, that's his moment. You know, that's, that's the MVP moment. But it just reminded me of the Jordan mentality does where he would just go in and if anyone ever said, well, this guy, John Starks is the guy that gives him problems or Byron Russell's the guy that gives him problems, he would just take that personally and he'd just go out and destroy that opponent for one night. And that's the sense I got with Giannis that particular night. And he did it again of course, against Joel Embiid yesterday, where he had 55 points uh, in a game that they also lost, but um, I thought he absolutely destroyed Embiid defensively. Embiid obviously had his good moments as well. He put up some crazy numbers on the offensive end in his own right, but I thought that was a little bit of an unsustainable shooting night from Embiid as well. Mm, but mm. I mean, do you so? But I think everyone's missing the narrative here. I think the narrative is the LeBron era is over. We've now gone into a new era, and, and it, there's not a vacuum there. It's not like you, you should be questioning whose league this is now. This is Giannis's league, and he's taking it by the scruff of the neck. And I think when the play, and, and the final point I'll make before I get your reaction, what we saw yesterday against Philly, that was playoff Giannis. Okay, that was Giannis saying, I'm, I can take this to another level, and I'm going to play 38 to 40 minutes, and I'm going to be the focal point of this offense and the good point that I heard Bill Simmons make about it he said he scored 55 and he said you didn't even feel like he was hot or he was making unsustainable shots or he's putting up ridiculous shots like some of the stuff Embiid did was ridiculous and you're just like oh okay he's on fire tonight it never felt like Giannis was on fire he was just doing whatever he, whatever he wanted out there and that takes a special player to just do that within the flow of the game without really forcing anything. I thought it was a spectacular performance, and I think we're going to get that for a good sort of six, six, seven weeks straight once the playoffs start and once his minutes go up to that sort of 38, 40 minutes, and his intensity level goes up those. And that's when everyone's going to sit back and go, oh, fuck, it is the answer's league now. I mean, do you see that now? I mean, can you sort of project your thoughts ahead or do, or do you agree with me we're already there and people just don't haven't acknowledged it yet well I'm just gonna gonna bask in the glory of episode 74 or 73 where you've just spent the first nine minutes basically 
um, <laughs> waxing on about the delight of the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis. And I go, let's maybe just bottle this up because this may not ever happen again, right? So, um, so no, the short answer actually is no to your question because in, because of this juxtaposition, right? You've posted 22 consecutive winning seasons and a mind-bogglingly impossible to comprehend sounds fake if you repeat it something what 60 is it 65 days Daz, or 63 days 65 days under 65 days under 522 years the next closest team is the houston rockets with something like 1300 days that's not a joke so there's literally that's the level we're talking about here i think the bucks have had all right let's let's call them way down way down on that list right we've lived in purgatory my entire pretty much my entire existence minus the the 80s so with that context no i don't have my head wrapped around it yet i am in i do find myself almost almost detaching a bit emotionally and just basking in amazing basketball right where i'm kind of going it still isn't it almost isn't real yet you don't know what's going to be real when the bucks go down 2-0 to boston in the series right it'll get really really real really really quickly but right now it's just whole Holy shit, um, net rating, number one and number two in offense and defense in the entire league, an, an ascendant star, uh, a what is turning out to be a, um, a revelatory, uh, let's call him a top five coach, you know, in Mike Budenholzer, when I, when I look at Coach Bud, and you have to really ask yourself the question, when a coach does this twice now, Daz, Right now, you've got to be really looking carefully to go asking questions around: Is this perhaps one of these potentially really special, called Rick Carlisle, Pop Popovichian, Eric Spolster-ish type coaches? Is maybe what this is the beginnings of in Milwaukee when Coach Bud can take Atlanta and do what he did there to create a 60-win team and in in overnight, Daz. That's why it's so fast in NBA terms. In overnight, the Bucks didn't add a second star. They didn't make gigantic splashes in free agency. They didn't have a, I don't know, a, a Markel Fultz or a number one draft pick like a Ben Simmons sit all year and suddenly come on the scene. They had nothing. They had a minimum, minimum Brook Lopez, overpaid Ursan Ilyasova, and got a new coach. And so I kind of go, that's why it's still so surreal, Daz. The, the turnaround from that um, full-body dry heave bleach your eyes, grinding the gears, incompetence, bad math, bad analytics, bad instincts, bad player development, Jason Kidd era, and the team still had a pretty, you know, feisty seven-game, you know, series. They go from that to this in such quick order without really, without really dramatically changing, you know, the top talent on the team. Or it's still settling in, to be fair, Daz. So that's yeah, they, as a they've me- improved yeah. in every area, Daz. I mean, look at their rebounding rate, the coaching, Daz. Yeah, from to last year. I mean, just simple things that you don't even think about. You'd think that would be just an automatic thing that NBA level coaches would be good at. I guess Prunty and Kid weren't NBA level coaches. Yeah. At the end of the day, but you yeah. wouldn't expect. But the, the improvement levels, I guess, across the board, has been startling to me. That's what that leads me to a level of sophistication. I think if Mike Budenholzer isn't the runaway winner, I think there's something oh, wrong. No question. I think there's something wrong because I go, it's not just the turnaround with the amazing coaching. You know, I think there's a level of sophistication here. As I'm starting to get my head around the data, 
right, to think about the Milwaukee Bucks are dead last, Daz, number 30 in three-pointers allowed, and something like 18th or 19th in three-point percentage, Daz. They're dead last in three-pointers allowed and um, three-point percentage allowed, and guess what? They're number one in defense by a mile. So what does that tell you, right? What's that tell you is they're digging deeper, and what we're hearing, what the data is starting to show us is that they're allowing certain players to shoot threes, Daz, like Joel Embiid. They are thrilled he took 13 threes last night. They're allowing certain players to take threes, and they're closing out the fuck on other players. So it's not just blanket, sag, defend, protect, wall off the paint. They are being really specific and really targeted with how they let threes happen and who they let take those threes and being malicious in the paint. I heard Duncan Danny talk a little bit about the Bucks Philly game, so we'll start there, then I'll go back up to your first point about LeBron and Giannis saying that, um, so Nate and Danny both said, look, this is a, if you dig into the numbers and watch the tape and look at the shot charts, etc., they go, this is not a worry for Milwaukee because the Philadelphia 76ers were 5 for 15 at the rim, Daz, or in the, in the restricted zone. 5 out of 15, that's 33%, which is ridiculously good defending the rim. And they shot some crazy, I think it was 54%, on mid-range jumpers, and the NBA average is like 37. Mm-hmm. So extreme outlier percentage performance in the mid-range, and they hit almost 50% of their threes, and the Bucks lost by five. And so even in that context where, as I said, I didn't watch the game, to be fair, but just looking at the data, and you were telling me, look, Giannis is still attacking, and the shots aren't going in. I go, that's, I go, that's okay. You cannot go 82-0. and 0. And how they lost that game sounds like they were actually still executing their plan. And, again, tip your hat to Philly. Buddy Jimmy Butler lived on the hard shot express, and that's what he does. So my point was there's a sophistication there to this defense and a sophistication to the way they're playing that the data is now only starting to show us, right, over 50, 60 games to kind of go, you know, I think we were scratching our head a month or two ago going, something doesn't look right. Like, they're giving up all these threes, and that they're 30th in the league. Is, is this a mirage? Is it, is, uh, you know, is, are the are teams going to run Brook Lopez off the court? And like, we're all kind of going, yeah, this doesn't look and feel sustainable, but it's hinting at actually it's not only sustainable, this has been their strategy from day dot. And so, laddering back up, so that's, my, that's what I'll say about kind of what I'm seeing as a, a non-Bucks fan. That's what the data is telling us, but... If I were to tell you, Daz, but just going back to LeBron and, and then the Giannis conversation, if you took look at uh, one NBA franchise who's got this fractured, kind of multiple fractures in their right in their leadership. You've got the owner who loves the coach, you've got the you know star player and his agent, and you've got the front office pals together. You've got this you know all time greatest star, all time hero, greatest of all time you know, leading a team and they're training on legacy and market and brand. You've got young players who are stagnating in their development. You've got their old veteran players getting jettisoned already midseason are happy to be getting paychecks and, you know, veterans staying away, right? Staying away, repelling that franchise compared to the other franchise with uh, an owner who, who went around the other ownership group to handpick a general manager who very well could be executive of the year with a coach who brought in his own staff and has aligned to the team so so vividly with a rising star who's not trading on legacy and brand but trading on culture and unity. You've got players like second-round picks 
turning into you know um, turning into super talents and unheralded, un, unthought of afterthought first round picks you know overachieving. You've got borderline Hall of Famers ring chasing, and you've got veterans you know signing kind of kind of team friendly deals. I go literally, Daz, twelve months ago. I would have flipped those franchises, but the first franchise is the Lakers, their fractured ownership, trading on legacy, trading on brand, young players, no stagnation, vets getting paychecks, and it's the fucking Bucks who were in that same boat, again, 9, 12 months ago, Daz, with the screwed-up ownership, all backing Jason Kidd, and a star who we're all talking about, is he going to get traded, is he not? Draft picks like Rashad Vaughn and Thon Maker and DJ Wilson were complete jokes. No vets would join Milwaukee's team, only Jason Terry because he was pals with Jason Kidd. And like, oh my God, vets coming to sign there? No way. And you see Eric Bledsoe taking a pretty team-friendly deal, not even a four-year 70, only three years guaranteed on that deal. So like I know in 12 months, Daz, you've had the Lakers and the Bucks almost mirror image each other. And I go, this is the template. This is well, the template and, that... And branch out the bit, Daz. Right? Please, yeah. Look yeah. at the top teams in the NBA. Let, let's take, say, the top 10 franchises in the NBA. Is there a place more fun to play at the moment than Milwaukee and, and a player more fun to play with than Giannis at the moment? Look, if you remove Kevin Durant, for sure. I mean, the <laughs> statement. I still... No, oh, I'm not. I'm, I thought I'm you meant Kevin Durant's more fun than Giannis. I was going to say. Oh no, <laughs> remove him from Golden State and no, no, yeah, for sure. Like who wouldn't love? I think you're right. Yeah, that, Clay, that's a right? fair. Enough. But he is there. So at the end of the day, but he is, and Draymond's he is there. there. I think Draymond's a great in character as well. Um, so I, actually, it's no, tough. I, I it's don't true. think so. It's I think with Draymond there, and and I think that's. At some point, it's going to flip. Boston's and that's not going fun. To, well, Boston's Philadelphia not fun. is an egomaniacal place run by children. I can talk more about the antics. I've been saying this from day dot. When you got Joel Embiid grabbing his crotch in the crowd, like, you know, doing the I've got big balls. Like, well, look at Ben Simmons like, even does. Ben Simmons totally invisible. In he the scores nine order, points and then, and then trash then talks one, at Giannis. One dunk like, on Giannis and then start trash talking. And it's like Giannis just like, almost ended your life in the post the, the, the possession before. Like you, um, yeah, it, and he sort of gets... And so it was just point. a bad box out by, by Giannis, the one sort of mental error he had all game. And, and everything, he, we hear, everything we hear, Denver sounds like a good place. There's just something... I think Denver... I mean, Jokic, there is something there, but I don't think they're on the same level as Milwaukee. They don't have the same trajectory. I think Gary Harris early and Jamal Murray are good, but they have not really taken leaps. And I'm sorry, I'm going to be in the camp until until Nikola Jokic does something like Kevin Love and changes his body from looking like a poker player living in his mom's basement to a professional athlete. I think his... Imagine what his ceiling would be well, I'll take him more seriously, what, Daz, when they don't take him out of the close games for Mason Plumley on defense. Well, that's true too. I mean, right? So, I mean, good. Guess what? Plumley has a fraction of his skill, but to stay in the league, Plumley's had to work his ass off, right, mm. and be chiseled. So, so Denver, I'm just not. I go. It's less about Jokic and his body. And I go. What does that mean for their work ethic and their culture? Is that a team that's actually going to trade on raw talent and raw skill and not do the work, right? Um, Maybe San Antonio is a, a pretty, a pretty enjoyable environment, work environment. Well, only if you want to go part of twenty years, ex- yeah. have the pop experience before he, he calls <laughs> yeah. it quits, I guess. But I think, look, but, but I, I really here, think Milwaukee's they, going suddenly... to be a, a free yeah. agent destination, and that's where I think, to some degree, Giannis is going to become a bit of a kingmaker 
in terms of being able... Like, if, if Giannis walks into a free agency meeting, who's telling him no if you're taking the meeting? Well, I'm even going... I'm, that's that's exactly right. But I'm saying, look, look, look the variable here, Daz, is Mike Budenholzer, and he brought his entire coaching staff with him, and he turned Malcolm Brogdon into a 50-40-90, right? The, the afterthought, rookie of the year, because Simmons was injured or whatever happened that year. And then, you know, and then... Um, Right, DJ Wilson, the joke. I mean, Mike Budenholzer is the thing that has created this culture. So we we go, it's it's Bud plus Giannis, right? Mm. So Tim Duncan with you know who knows Tim Duncan with Bill Fitch wouldn't be Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan with Paul Westfall or pick your head coach, right? Probably isn't Tim Duncan, but Tim Duncan with Pop. Now that's something where a great coach can turn a a really really good player to a Hall of Famer. And I go that for me is the the early signals of something really special here with Budenholzer and Giannis, and that it's Giannis looking to Bud, Bud go, Giannis going, holy shit, Mike Budenholzer has made all these guys into a sixty win team. Imagine as we develop and actually add more talent, what's possible? And he goes, how could I possibly get better than that? So I think we have to give an enormous amount of credit to for a completely what was um, soul-destroying process when the Bucks ownership completely bungled their GM search. At the last minute, Wes Edens invoked his governorship, and they had this weird ownership structure and, ownership structure, and promoted John Horst, a 32-year-old basketball operations guy. I go kudos to the owner for having the balls, kudos to Horst for doing tons of great work to get Bud and change the roster and make it work. I go, it is remarkable, Daz. And I go, juxtapose that with L.A., who's got an ownership structure that trades on history and legacy, doesn't really invest in the team. Their entire wealth is tied up in the value of the Lakers. And so I like to throw in cash at, you know, making this an amazing environment and having tons of assistance and analytics. And, you know, L.A. now just trades on its weather and its brand. I go, guess what? That probably worked 10 years ago. But players are so savvy in creating their own brands and their own markets and their own businesses. And Paul George doesn't need L.A. And, you know, Russ Westbrook doesn't need L.A. And hopefully Giannis doesn't need L.A. And I'm kind of going, boy, boy, Daz, is this, have they, have we also, did we all miss, just forget for a moment, all the fundamentals of ownership, structure, strategy, alignment, culture, staffing, scouting, right, facilities, team development, player development, strength and conditioning. Did we forget all those things that make a great basketball operations when LeBron went? I think a lot of us probably did, myself included. I thought, okay, how can that not work? How can LeBron plus the brand plus the weather, how can that not work? And I think what we're seeing is, holy shit, right? Maybe we should have looked at New York and said, mm, we should have been reminded that, look what happens if you don't have a, a really strong basketball operations and a and a culture there. This is what happens. So that's the context where I certainly feel these stars crossing. LeBron with his head down and Mario Hazonia pointing at him today. That that photograph's going to get played for decades, Daz. If that's if indeed LeBron never wins another title, I think to you know I think the Bucks ended their season. I think Mario Hazonia ended LeBron's. <laughs> I think Hazonia ended LeBron's. Uh, uh, greatest player in the world conversation. So well, that's where I'll stay. Quick question yeah. without nose to wrap this up. I mean, I remember when Giannis first came in the league and, and we saw the highlights from Greece. And right right from the start, you, you saw the athleticism and you saw the potential. But to me, I sort of expected he would put up 
sort of Ben Simmons type numbers, and obviously they're a different type of player. But when I say that, I'm talking about you know 14 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists. If you're going to get a triple double, that's the type of triple double. Can you pinpoint the moment where you just sat back and went, "Holy fuck, this guy might be the real deal." Like this guy can, mm. has superstar level potential. Oh, there's not a moment. Look, there was flashes in the rookie year where I don't know if you remember. There's a highlight where he um, gets a rebound, and they're getting blown. That's garbage time, right? There, it's a, like a 20 point game. I assume they're losing, and I think it's actually in Madison Square Garden. He gets a rebound. And he dribbles through traffic and behind the back and does this crazy, like, long, stretched-out windmill dunk. And you're like, holy shit. So there's those flashes in that rookie season. But I'll be honest, it actually probably wasn't until um, year four when he made the All-Star Games. He made three All-Star Games now, right? Hmm. Year f- remember that first All-Star Game when he was just he was trying and everyone else wasn't? That's when I think I knew Daz, and I go, "Holy shit, this guy is on an ascendancy, and he's a bit, of, and he's on a mission." So I, for me, it was actually the, as meaningless as the game was. It was then just seeing him on the court with all these guys, and you know, wanting to dunk the ball into their jaw, and 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 that sort of thing. And then the, probably the third moment was again probably that same year, like right when you and I started the pod, and LeBron was still LeBron in Cleveland. Remember you and I talking about the. Actually, Giannis goes right at LeBron like nobody else, no young player does, yeah. and it brings out the best of LeBron, which brings out the best of Giannis, which brings out the best of LeBron. Like there was that mono mono that LeBron probably hadn't felt in that conference for quite a long time, and so that was probably the other reflection I have looking back as the flashes as a rookie, that All Star game, and then that holy shit, Giannis seems to play better against LeBron than he does against you know. Uh, whomever against uh, Justice Winslow. So yeah, I guess we'll look back and see the the making of the man. But it's been it's been phenomenal. It's been meteoric yet seems seemingly gradual. You know, well, the other think, thing and remember, that's what we're going to yeah. see in the playoffs. I mean, the level of uh, competitiveness that Giannis has, I think it rivals the Jordan Kobe level. You know, but he's not a prick about it. And that's that's the difference, and I think not it's yet. going to be much. Well, I, 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 I don't think you'll ever reach the level of team. Well, you triggered something to. from. I, I captured a note here when you were talking about it because I go, as much as I want to say, yep, this is the new greatest player in the league. And look, he's been an absolute delight. He's a ridiculous work ethic. Players love playing with him, right? So all those things are real, right? But I go, didn't we say this about Kevin Durant six years ago? When he won the MVP, didn't we say similar things where there's this beautiful, elegant, everything about him basketball style? He can block shots, he can shoot threes. When you, MVP year, right, Daz? And I go, didn't we say that kind of about KD? And so, again, very different context. He's playing with Russ, etc. But I kind of go before I go too far with saying this is Giannis's league. I think we said the same thing about KD six years ago. I think we said the same thing about Anthony Davis three years ago, and look where he's kind of floundered. I think we so. felt they were ready to take it. I don't think any of them took the mantle. The mantle's up for grabs now. It's not well, LeBron's so anymore. Whereas at great... that stage, it was always still LeBron. Mm. And maybe what you're saying is winning an MVP like Kevin Durant isn't the same as taking the mantle, right? Maybe that's what I'm... Maybe that's well, the I reflection. Remember, where... like, Kevin Durant coming in, against 
defensive player of the year level player like Gobert and, and probably did, you know, if you go back and look at some of the games that he had, but I just I feel like Giannis just seizes the moment a little bit more than I... And certainly, AD's never had that level of play in him. No, um, yeah, no. You know, KD, I think going to the Warriors has sort of hurt but, how we look at him now. You know, who knows how we'd look at him if he started yeah. OKC and they yeah. won a couple of titles. Well, he was miserable with Russ too, wasn't he? So, I mean, it's... I mean, he just became miserable, right, mm. with, with the situation. And uh, um, it's funny you just mentioned that. This is a sidebar, but... It's funny what you just mentioned about AD when I remember so vividly, right? We heaped all that praise on them. I'm, I'm going, didn't Rondo and Drew Holiday win that series against Portland? Yeah, AD in a, in a way, numbers, right? AD I'm sure was a leading scorer, but didn't didn't wasn't that series actually won by Drew and Rondo? He rarely takes in a, a way, game by the scruff of the neck, and you go, oh, Anthony Davis yeah, that's dominated a, that. Yeah, game. yeah. You know what I mean? um, and maybe that's just the nature, and maybe that's just the, that's the nature of the beast when you play. What he does is he's a bit of a playmaking five, but same thing as Embiid. You know, Embiid will never, he just won't be able to when you have to stand in the post and, and say, give me the goddamn well, ball. someone else is going to give you the ball. That's exactly right. That's it. That's, that's exactly problem. right. So, this is a bit of the nature of the beast. It's not a, that's not a criticism of, of Embiid in, in that way. But that's the other thing I felt in that game against Philly and a little bit with Kevin Durant as well, who's just a, such a, just a ridiculous catch and shoot. And he's added this, you know, shooting off the bounce, obviously, a little bit later in his career, but that that crazy, you know, again, the nature of his game is is this freakish ability to shoot 28-footers. And Giannis's freakish ability is to, you know, get um, get unassisted dunks on the best defenders in the world. So it's just the nature, right? The nature of it is, is different. So there's a there's a fierceness. There's a, I think I, I, tech, I was texting you and you're asking me kind of what's it feel like with Giannis. And I go, what actually reminds me of is, it reminds me of the feeling watching Charles Barkley, which was this reckless abandon, this un, un, sort of unlikely story who um, who just can can insert or assert his will on both ends of the floor, dominate scoring, dominate the glass, and that, that energy, right? Barkley would rev the crowd into a froth with that ferociousness. He wanted to kill everyone. Kevin Durant wants to make 30-footers. And then shake his finger at you, like he wants to be Steph Curry, right? <laughs> That's his nature, right? He he actually wants to be, you know, a great scorer, and and, and Giannis wants to rip your heart out, and so that's what gets me starts to get me excited as a fan to go. That engine burns deep, and that that's something that, that will age really really well, right? So I start to dare to dream when I, I engage in your conversation around. Is this Giannis's league? I go. Does he have stay power? Is his stay power than Ke- different than Kevin Durant's? Is it stay power different than than what Anthony Davis has? And I'm, I guess I'm just I'm so reluctant to go. Fuck. I think it is. He's like six eleven Kobe, right? In a way. So if Kobe was six eleven, he would have he would have dunked every time. Right? Say what you will about that horrific human being, but. You know, he was... Um... Well, he's like Shaq in the sense that if he gets the ball around the basket, it's a dunk. It's two points. You can't stop it. The difference between him and Shaq is he's bringing the ball up the court, right? And he and can, he's he can just... his free throws have improved. That's right. 75% free throw shooting. And if he, well, if he even gets to the free throw line there, Daz, on a drive, it's a dunk. You're not... Like... Philly were trying to foul him yeah. the other day, and he was just powering through. And sometimes they called it, yeah. sometimes they didn't. And he was just dunking on them. 
Well, poor old Boban come on. He blocked Boban at one end and then <laughs> just dunked right in his face at the other end. It was like, what did Boban ever do to you? He's the nicest guy in the league. Do you think Brett Brown goes, um, bring out the gimp? Do you think he calls it down to the to his assistants when he when he brings him on? Well, they say the gimp's sleeping, He's and like, then they have to go wake him up. Get Boban out there. I was, oh, poor Boban. Oh, bless. Sorry, that was racially insensitive or well, something. I think at the end of the day, too, but if Milwaukee are going to win the title, it's going to be the other guys. Um, the, and, and I... I say yeah. that because I saw what happened in San Antonio when Milwaukee came in, and the Spurs basically just put up a wall of four players around the basket, and just said, "You are not dunking tonight, Giannis." <laughs> and I, I have to go back and look at the stats, but he did. I, I, I remember him having one or two dunks, including one where he somehow got the ball right on the baseline, was nearly out of bounds, and still dunked on the Purtle's head. Um, but, but did you know he's? If you take away his his, his weirdo three pointers, right, throughout the year, but Daz, he shoot four percent from two point land, sixty four percent, two thirds of the time when he takes a shot, it goes in. I go, oh man. So yeah, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, I was, I but there. I think as yeah. the game went on, the Spurs basically just put a wall, and at times, honestly, they it did. was four yep. players in front of the basket and just said, you're not fucking dunking on us. So yeah. but then it came Let down Eric to, Bledsoe, that's right, yeah. can the other guys make open shots? And that night they couldn't. Um, they kind of did against Utah in, in, in patches. I mean, Lopez was very good in that game. They did, they couldn't throw it in the ocean against Philly. I mean, that's, that's going to be the difference between whether the Bucks can win the title this year or in years going forward. Yeah. Can the Middletons, the Bledsoe's, the Miritich's, the, the Lopez's, the Brogdon's, etc., are they going to knock down open shots? Because I'll tell you what, yeah. they're going to get a lot of sure. open looks because teams are just yeah. going to sell out to say Giannis isn't getting 50 tonight. And that will be the roster building, building challenge of this team in the offseason is that, and you've called this early on, which is the... So I was actually a bit surprised about the Bledsoe signing um, when it happened. But... Um, uh, this team will probably be defined by what happens in the playoffs. And if, if what you, because I think you're exactly right. I think Giannis will be Giannis. Um, he won't be their problem unless he has one of those games. He goes six for 15 from the line or something and come to, into complete exhaustion. But if, if Nico disappears, if, if Bledsoe has another bad playoff run, if Middleton, you know, shoots, you know, six for 18 every night, pardon me, and they get bounced in the second round, you know, four games to two. That'll be hard for the season, and it's as amazing as it's been. It'll be hard not to think of it as a failure, right, as a number one seed and, you know, nine plus whatever point differential to get bounced in the second round. But that's very possible. So, yeah, that's it's more a it's, – it's, you're right. I think it's going to depend on these guys. And that's probably less for me about the short term this year than it is about what the hell that's going to mean for – kind of Giannis's prime and how they build this team around it. So mm. um, Brogdon's, Brogdon's injury is, you know, again, every NBA team has injuries, uh, um, is a is an interesting one. So if he can come back for the second round, that would be huge, I think. But um, I don't think Tim Frazier's going to fill his shoes or Pat Connaughton. No, so but, um, Brogdon's yeah. out six weeks, isn't he? Six weeks with the foot injury. So that's uh, probably leading into the... Partial torn round. in the plantar fascia, the bottom of his foot, and it's affecting his heels. So it's... 
very painful and there's nothing you can do but but basically just sit and ice it for weeks yeah yeah so huge so, uh, huge post-season and off-season need uh for Milwaukee yeah. Let, let's go let's jump over to the Lakers for a second Daz and I haven't got the train sound effect um teed up but uh, yeah. no doubt it would yeah. be very apt to play at the moment because it's the, the train wreck has certainly um, come to a screeching halt there in, in Los yeah. Angeles. And even yeah. worse, you talk about player health. We've had Brandon Ingram with the blood clot issue. He's had successful surgery. Uh, at least that's what we've been told. But there are, you know, we've, we've seen players with this sort of problem struggle to come back as well. So we hope that it is. Um, everything I've read about it sort of says that uh, the surgery was successful and that if, if you were going to have a blood clot, this is according to his agent, this is the sort of blood clot you wanted to have. Oh, hang on. No, there we go. There's Rob Palinkas with uh, Magic Johnson. <laughs> there we go. There they are. There's the Lakers. I feel, again, this is, I was sort of going back to, you know, you look at the the young players stagnating, and this is where I think where Luke Walton does need to start to own some of this, right? Which is, um, you know, this young player development. And yes, Ingram was starting to have a nice run of games there right before this blood clot, but I think to say that he's been, you know, he's been underwhelming as a number two pick would be a, a, a safe thing to say, wouldn't it, Daz? Over his, is this his third year, second year, third year. Third year, yeah, because he was a guy third, we picked second, on. Um, third no, year, right? Is in, yeah, because he was same as Yeah, third Simmons. year. Tatum. Yeah, third year. Tatum's only played the second Simmons. year. Only, yeah. yeah um, so, um, I mean, well, and, and the biggest the biggest story, obviously, with the Ingram thing is, I don't see how you can include him in an AD trade now. So I think you... Well, he's not worth near... That's right. So I think you're now... It's going to be non-impossible for them to do a trade. I think Boston... Yeah. You know, their assets have taken a step back, and we spoke about that in, in the past. It's going to be fascinating yeah. to see what New Orleans do in the off-season. Um, because uh, I, I think it's there's a non-zero chance that they just go, you know what, we're bringing Anthony Davis back, and you can all go and get fucked, and he's playing one more season, and we're just going to see what happens. Well, you need to play 15 minutes a game? Well, I don't think they'll the trade do deadline. that. They yeah. won't do that. They, they won't do that again next season. They'll either commit and say, He's playing the full season. If he leaves, he leaves. And it's not the first big I am, to leave. I, I'm or, 98% convinced it's going to go the way of Kyrie, which is, you know, if, get his way out in the offseason to Boston or the way it happened with, obviously, Kawhi in the offseason to, to Toronto. I think that's what's going to happen with... Well, I, I think, think maybe it's the only possibility. Is, yeah. I think New Orleans will dig their heels in and say, this is the price. You either pay it or we bring him back. Um, and, and see if they call their bluff. Because, you know, I don't think they want to sit there and then give him away for cents on the dollar either. Well, I had a I had a random idea, um, a random trade idea, because I, I think he's going to end up in a in a, in a Kawhi in Toronto-like situation next year, sort of, or a Paul George in Oklahoma City last year, or you think it's going to be a, you know, it's a team that's not on the, the quote, the target list. And so what did... What would you think? Who says no, right? Indiana Pacers for Miles Turner and Demonis Sabonis and, say, a pick. Would you do that? Pair Anthony Davis with Oladipo for a year with Bogdanovich and, right, fill, fill out the backcourt how you need to. And if you're New Orleans, you get yourself this 
He's had a really nice season, Miles Turner, right? You can get a nice six-man well, rugged if you got, player. Yeah, if you got a couple of future picks, so it wouldn't be the, the upcoming draft pick, maybe a couple of years down the Yeah, day. like a 20. if AD yeah. does leave and they stink, yeah. you get their, one of the top picks. Yeah. I could see that happening. So, I go, it's, so that's the types of things where I go, I think he's going to end up in a situation like Indiana where they don't have tons to lose. Um, they, they're in... They're, they're probably going to be capped at like the fourth best team in the conference as long as Philly keeps doing what they're doing. Boss and Giannis is we, you stroke we pretend is going to be, you know, a superstar. I go they're going to kind of have to swing for the fences or accept life in you know um, in Portland Trailblazer level purgatory. So that's where I think it's teams like in Indiana or even a, you know, I'd have to really think harder about how you'd pair Anthony Davis you know, with assets in Utah that would work for New Orleans. But that's what's something for me. I just think, I think that's where he's going to end up as a, as a team like in Indiana. It could be, yeah. Don't you see? Well, it, it certainly could be because, I mean, particularly if Kawhi stays in Toronto, I think terms are going to be lining up. Oh, jeez, right. You've yeah. now had Paul George and Kawhi both do it, supposedly going to be leaving elsewhere, and they haven't done it. So, And I think, look, uh, given the Lakers situation, I just and we've spoken about this before. I just don't see that's going to be an attractive option for Anthony Davis at the end of next season if if they have another season like this. So and I just cannot see a scenario where Lakers put together a package that New Orleans take now with with this Ingram thing hanging over their head. So no, uh, the only option I I I think it's going to be either Boston. Well, they can't. I I don't think they they can't get AD. They can't get him next year because Ingram's value is so diminished. Lonzo Ball's also been well, hurt, not, right? they have they no interest in Lonzo Ball. They've got, and, and as you say, Ingram's value is diminished. What have they got left? Kuzma Ball, a couple of crappy draft picks, like, you know, unless they and get hearts, the number one lottery ball for falling off, yeah. Somehow, and they can include Zion. That's so unlikely. Which is very They'd unlikely. They'd be better off keeping him, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's a it's going to be a tough slam. And, and I don't see, you know, we already know from the free agents, KD's not going there. Kawhi's not going there. Is Jimmy Butler going there? Like, what? You know, where are the, where are they getting the free agents from? Yeah, yeah. Next season, so I think Kemba. I'm hearing Kemba to um, Kemba to Dallas is getting a lot. Well, of I've heard days. Kemba won't be back in Charlotte. Though. I've heard that multiple. You, times. Yeah, it's starting to happen, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, well, that's yeah. going to be a Australian or rebuild there in, in Charlotte, but um... so yeah, so I think I think this obviously the this this season is over for LA. Poor Brandon Ingram. We hope he gets back to health, but I think even if he's back to health, his trade value is diminished. I don't think there's any way. I think it's a zero, almost zero percent chance. Unless I just can't see it. And like you said, unless they get Zion, Anthony Davis does not end up in LA next year. Um, Lonzo Ball's been hurt. Ingram's not. I go. What is their path to excellence? And I go, boy, oh boy, it's just a. Uh, it's just a shame. Mm. I just would have loved to see LeBron spend two more years in a good basketball situation. As much as I hate him, right? Uh, LeBron in Houston or LeBron in freaking I don't know. LeBron back to Miami or LeBron some LeBron in Philly. You know, some place where they play. You well, know, I don't think LeBron, LeBron in Denver. Yeah. I think LeBron yeah. was happy to punt on this season, but I don't think he thought it would play out 
boy, badly I think he thought he'd be to. happy to punt, right? I think we both talked like, I think we both thought he'd be happy, but my God, you know what it's like when you lower your standards? It's <laughs> heck when you and I lower our standards. No, I'm not joking. In a professional environment or something, you know, when you lower your standards and you go, oh, God, what am I doing here? This is work I don't want to do or a project I don't want to do. Mm. Imagine what it's like for Giannis to lower your standards and now right, to be rejected by Mario Azonia. <laughs> And I go, oh, my God, the humiliation, Daz. So he is a thousand times more embarrassed than I think um, uh, than I think we're given, that he's given the media a glimpse into. But, uh, no. oh, God, they play the Bucks. They play the Bucks next. They play the Bucks next, and maybe without Giannis. No, Giannis, yeah, ankle sprain. Yeah. So no Giannis, no yeah. Brogdon, that, that's going to be tough. Uh, despite, you know, the Lakers struggles, that could be a tough one for Milwaukee. Yeah. But yeah, they look does... like they have the one seed wrapped up anyway, Milwaukee. Um, we right. might actually move that nowadays and have a quick look at the, the standings because it looks as though it's going to be Milwaukee-Miami as the 1-8 uh, matchup. And I think we can yep. also pencil in uh, Indiana-Boston as the 4-5 matchup in the East. The yeah. interesting thing is what we talked about off air. I've got a sneaking suspicion and I don't know if you agree with me on this, that the six, seven seeds are tanking at the moment to try and get into the seven seed because I think both of them would prefer to play Toronto than Philadelphia. And I'm, and I'm almost certain that that is true for Detroit because Detroit have a 3 and a record now against Toronto uh, with Dwayne Casey, of course, coaching against his former team. I think they would love nothing better than to beat Toronto. They, they backed up a win against Toronto... Uh, yesterday, and then went out today and lost to the Cavs, um, which actually put them back in a tie for, for the Nets in the seventh seed. I mean, and I've seen this happen before. I remember Memphis did it with the Spurs back in uh, 2011 and actually beat the Spurs in the first round when the Spurs were the one seed. So I think both of those teams fancy themselves, but I think Detroit particularly would relish that first round matchup. I mean, have you seen any of these? Toronto-Detroit games. I saw the last one. It was classic. It was, it was fever pitch atmosphere, Daz. It was. It's good to see a, a good basketball city like Detroit, you know, with a bit of vibrancy again. And um, and we should uh, note to self here, and this would be a. We did this, I think, in season one or season two, where we picked a, um, we picked a movie, right? We we previewed oh, a yes. team as parallel to a movie theme, and I just got me to thinking as you're talking about this, you know, Detroit versus Toronto, and I go, isn't the Detroit Pistons inglorious bastards? Right? They're, they're all going to get together, and they're going to go scalping. <laughs> like, the only thing they care about, and I can see, you know, the, the Brad Pitt character being played by Dwayne Casey. He's getting all his bad as motherfuckers, right? But only thing they care about, the singular purpose is to go and seek revenge on, on the Toronto Raptors who jettisoned unceremoniously and borderline unprofessionally kicked Dwayne Casey to the curb as fast as they could after that series. I could see, just, you just talk about, I could see that happening, right? Where that team's bonded pretty well together. They're not a terrific basketball team, but that is a that is a one seriously motivated team for revenge, Daz. So... Well, I'll tell that you a player that's playing yeah. better for them lately is Luke Kennard. Um, he's he's yeah. actually playing much better. And they sign Wayne Ellington. And it's it's not a sexy sign. Yeah, cheeky... Sometimes oh. you just put a guy that's competent and a guy that's an NBA-level player in there yeah. that's playing minutes 
you know, rather than a Stanley Johnson who was still trying to find his way. And all of a sudden, things come together. And, and they've been really good um, in the last sort of, well, it, really since the All-Star break. I mean, they're well above 500 now. So you reckon they lost on purpose today? You reckon they tanked? Well, to, to be this... fair to you, and to be fair to you, smash the over Cavs, they've been a lot better <laughs> since Kevin Love came back. And I think oh, had Kevin Love not have got injured, yeah. they might have hit yeah. that 30-game mark um, that you said. But, uh, yeah. but you know, I think I, I think there's talk in the locker room. I think they're looking at the He didn't play today. He didn't play today. Pissing loss at Cleveland without Kevin Love. Well, look, and, and you yeah. look at some of the games they've lost. They, they've beaten some good teams lately, and they've, they've yeah. lost to some pretty ordinary teams. Um, I think, and it's not unprecedented that this happens, I think they're jockeying for that seven spot. And I think they're already, they're three games I think ahead you're of right. Miami. They're not going to fall to the eight spot. Um, I think they will be more than happy to go into Toronto. And I think the Nets actually want they're to only, as well. To be they're honest. only one up on Miami problem. at the moment, though. <clears throat> They're only they're only one up. Oh, they're on only Miami. one up. So Miami must because Miami beat OKC today and they lost. Oh, so sorry, beat. I'm sorry, I lie. I, I'm looking. Detroit's in the six at the moment, so Detroit has to be moving back. That's so Detroit's right. number six matched up against Philly. I my mistake. I was Are they equal with the Nets uh, now? Brooklyn. They're one game ahead of the Nets. One game ahead of the one Nets, the Nets, and then they're two games ahead of Miami in the eighth seed. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So they need. Well, like they could, I guess, fall back to the eighth. If they're only two games ahead, but. I think they yeah. the, just watch what, what I'm saying. Just watch those last few games. Watch them. There's angle. a chance for them to get jockey to get back down to that seven. They're going to get that in the was seven as fishier loss today as when the Spurs lost to the Lakers a couple of years ago when um, the Lakers were trying to hold on to that top three protected pick. And um, I think <laughs> yeah. Pop played Joel Anthony uh, 45 minutes or something. <laughs> 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 just. <laughs> Love it. So that was... But, I mean, on Toronto, this is a team, Daz, I just cannot get... I was excited when they first started the season, but I just... I watched them, and there's a soulless nature to their basketball, and it's almost like... Particularly when Kawhi's on the court, and Kawhi's putting out big numbers and things like this, but it's almost like they're going, oh, we can't play our basketball now. We've just got to throw it to Kawhi, sit back and watch him go to work. You know, and I just I just feel there's a deflating nature about the way they're going about it. And it is all about the business. And it's just all about, well, we're going to try and win a title. But there's almost a resignation that this is not going to you know, be rolled back next year. And I, and I think you, you might see a team very relieved and much more happy about their basketball next year if Kawhi's not there. Um, do you yeah, sort of see probably. the same thing? I mean, do you... Because I, I just well, it's cool. I, I do, I do, because he's you know he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. He's got the personality of a um, of a you know of a, uh, a stick <laughs> malnourished <obviously>. porpoise. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Just a, a nothing personality who's probably only there temporarily. And they got this weird dynamic where then they have to try to cater to him and keep him happy. And so um, I think we shared these stats before. These are. These are a couple of weeks old, but the the stats were, were dramatic as in the on the Toronto offense. Like they play two different sports with Kawhi Leonard. You know, when he's on the floor, their number um their percentage of assisted three pointers is fifty four percent or sorry, is fifty four percent assisted to is forty one percent. When he goes off the floor, it spikes to like seventy three percent assisted threes and 
right? 52% assisted twos. It's a, it spikes the number of passes, the, the number of, um, number of assists, et cetera. It just is a completely different sport. Well, I remember, I go, I've seen them a few times without yeah. Kawhi, including when they just truck Golden State. And there's just a freedom and there's a, there's a liberation about the way. No, sure, playing. that's right. Yeah. And when he's out there, it just everything comes. It's to Kevin a Durant on the fucking Durant on the Warriors, right? Um, you know, Kawhi on on this team, and that's why, that's why I still will defend LeBron James in his basketball. Is that LeBron learned how to be an amazing facilitator when he went to Miami, and so so you can't say about LeBron's basketball, right? Kawhi just is similarly for Giannis. Giannis is looking to kill and distribute, but his Giannis is always Giannis. And the coaching staff is around it. And I go, that's why I go, this is a bit on Nick Nurse. This is a bit well, on, I agree. It's on Masai Ujiri. on Nick Nurse in terms yeah. of... I don't think it's Kawhi going in saying, oh, I want to play ISO ball and you've got to just make me no. happy. I just think they're... they're Kawhi is who Kawhi is, up. right? Yeah. 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 And uh, Well, the yeah. other thing about Kawhi is, is this a guy you want to be play, paying a max contract to when he's only going to play probably 60 to 65 games a year going forward and he might even drop from that. That's a that's, big question That's my too. worry. I do, I'm not conv- as good a numbers as he's putting up, etc. But I mean, is this the new reality too, Daz, where we're just going, we're paying guys max, I mean, Chris Paul's getting max money. There's no chance he's playing 82 games at oh, any stage God, in that deal. No. Like, do you just sit there and say, We'll take the sixty-five games. He's going to put up good numbers in that, and then we'll hope that he's fully healthy for the playoff run, where we don't have back-to-backs and things like yeah. this. I mean, that's probably just the new reality of the NBA, isn't it? Where you're not necessarily expecting eighty-two games out of the guys, well, and it's true. We also just it's, it's just tendinopathy. We still don't really because he doesn't speak. We don't know really what this is for Kawhi. Is this just part of this treatment? The way he's being rested this year. Or is it is it bothering well, him? Well, they said or in January he... he was going to start playing back to backs, and he still hasn't. Well, that never happened. No, so, he hasn't. And what I've read out of there is he just says, "I'm not. I don't want to play back to backs yet." So whether yeah. he's just protecting himself for his next contract, we don't know, and whether that will change yeah. when he when he goes to LA, or if he, even if he stays in Toronto and signs the deal there. Um, I think it's uh, going to be interesting to see. And, and the other part of that, right, is in juxtaposed with, you know, we talk about stars leaving their teams with, you know, Giannis with Bud and Bledsoe's re-signing, and he's, him and Middleton are basically best friends, etc. and so I think Middleton's assured to, re- to re-sign. And I go, what's Kawhi got in Toronto? I guess Kyle Lowry, and Kyle Lowry's, he's, uh, maybe, if he, maybe he's hurt, right, but Kyle Lowry is not Kyle Lowry anymore. I think, you know, we oh, used to see he's Chubby Cobb. flashes. He, he, he sort of played in little spurts. He, he'll have yeah, a good just, five or six games, and then he just, the next five His offense does, like his shooting, his three-point shooting is way, way down. You know, look, his assist numbers have been up. I guess that's that's it. But he's just not the defender. Again, again, I've seen him mostly acutely against the Bucks. Just get absolutely destroyed by by Bledsoe, who is kind of, he's pretty fast and special off the dribble. Bledsoe is not a, you know, he's a, Maybe a league average scorer, I guess, as a point guard. He's nothing electric, but I just worry that that was the heart and the soul of the team. And if he can't, do, you know, defend at a, if, you know, a really, really high level, that's really, really tough for them. Because they have Van Vliet and he, who can't really defend the point of attack. And so, to your point, I go, if they're going to be constantly punctured by, by Kyrie or by, um, by Ben Simmons or by, you know, Bloodsore or, or Giannis, I go. To your point, you just didn't believe in him. I'm kind of going. I just 
I put some X's and O's together. You know, do they have the fire to the fire breathing dragon, the unity, the way that we could pretend that Detroit would have, right, to try and kill a, a team like Toronto? You know, do they have that that killer instinct the way Giannis or Embiid have, you know, in the, on the floor and, that, and with Kawhi? Eh, I don't know. Are they going to give everything they got if he's an unrestricted free agent? I don't know. They play different styles of basketball under Nick Nurse. Is that going to work better or worse? Like, I, So I'm just sort of kind of on sort of element by element coming around to your side of the story that there's a lot to kind of not really trust about the whole story. Right. It's just, there's, it's not a lot to believe in. Well, I as, agree. As, and I think yeah. to the point earlier, you were there I, early though. I, it's taken well, me a while want, to get there. They want no part of the Detroit Pistons. I mean, even to the point where they, you reckon their yeah. uh, commentary team was sitting there looking at the stands going, oh, well, no, they play Cleveland tomorrow night. They're <laughs> going to win that and they're, they're going to be locked into the sixth seed. That, we don't have to worry about these guys, you know. They want no part. <laughs> and if they get Detroit first up, they're going to be immediately under pressure <laughs> and under the pump. That was such a good series, Dan. And that's where they don't want to be. Like, that's... No. That's, you know, apart from if LeBron James walks through the door in the Detroit Pistons uniform, you know, that's this is the one thing that they would be dreading at the moment. Just saying, we've got to face that Detroit. The spotlight's going to be on us. This is a team that does not want the spotlight anywhere near them, does. And they've shrunk in the spotlight every time they've been in front of it this year. And yeah. I think they want to just, they want to be the NBA TV series in the first round of playoffs. No one watching yeah. them. We'll just coast through, and then we'll, you know, if we had a bit of pressure, and obviously Philly have, have cracked under pressure in times as well. So I think they'd like the thought of them and Philly in that second round. But if if they've got Detroit, all eyes, that's almost the most interesting first round series in either conference. If that's the playoff matchup. So I think it's fascinating. You're one team that would love it, which is the lowest yeah. seed, and, and the highest seed probably want no part of it. Unless somehow Philly Boston, but I don't. Doesn't look like it's going to happen now because no, Indiana's schedule Indiana. is brutal. So I think that's yeah. pretty. I think we can lock. It's pretty that well. We can lock. Yeah, that we can do. So the other thing does that uh, quickly over on the west. The west is all over the shop, other than the fact that Sacramento, unfortunately, they are going to miss out by the looks of things. They're they're again yeah. under five hundred now. So unless the Clippers or the Jazz completely implied them, and the Jazz have got the, Doubt it. the easiest record in the oh, sorry the easiest home schedule in the league or, uh, from here, the clip a little bit tougher, but I can't see how the Clippers are going to lose that many games, you know. No, Lou they're six games. They're out. They're done. They're six games yeah. behind. So Lou Williams pulled a game out for, for the um, Clippers yesterday. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that game winner against the Nets. If there was any doubt at all, I think that sort of cemented it. So we've got – and it could go anyway. My sort of feeling is I think the Clippers will still end up in that eight seed. And I think the Warriors and Denver are now tied again mm. – but I think the Warriors will sort of poke their nose back in front and be in that one seed. Then it could it could go anywhere from there. We've got OKC in the free fall at the moment. They could even go down as far as eight. Yeah, does. they could. Who knows? Um, we could they have could. Golden State, OKC in the first round, 1v8, after talking about it as a potential Western Conference Finals not that long ago. Um, and then you go up, uh, we've got uh, Utah, in seven at the moment, as I said, they've got an easy schedule, but I can't work out Utah at the moment. I mean, they, they won that great game against Milwaukee, and then the very next night lost to Memphis, um, who are also trying to win at the moment. I think Memphis are trying to get out of that. Um, they want to, their pick to convey to Boston this year, is yeah. my guess with them. Um, 
so the, and they've lost a couple look, of games. Golden they State, lost New Orleans you, as well. Yeah, you got you look at the schedule and it is absolutely. Denver has a pretty brutal schedule, very road heavy. They got Indiana, Houston, Oklahoma City, Golden State, San Antonio, back to back Portland and Utah, and Golden State has just an absolute just a bunch of cake. So I think it's pretty clear that Golden State's going to sit one. Denver didn't could Denver could Houston catch Denver? Possibly three possibly. and a half games. Three I guess it's games possible. Is probably too much at this stage. It might be too much at this stage. Oh, it's a big so for Denver today in Boston to sort of to hold that off. Yeah, so I think Houston's locked. The one, two, three is locked. Yeah, Denver maybe falls to three. Look, could Portland catch Houston? That's the other question. So I think that's the interesting thing, right? Is I think there's a you tell me different. If Oklahoma City is banged up, Paul George is banged up, Russ is banged up, um, Utah's been all over the shop. I think it's another it's another case where like it's the Philly Boston in the East. You don't really want to finish four or five this year, do you? Both because your first round matchup's gonna be tougher and you've got Golden State, you know, in the in the second round if you do survive. So there's probably gonna be some jockeying going on here as well. Um, CJ McCollum going down is a big factor for Portland. Yeah, so I think they're probably serious. They, they, well, they're going to reassess that in a week. So he twisted his knee. Um, he landed on Purdle's foot in the game against the, the Spurs. Uh, they're going to reassess in a week. They think, hopefully, my sort of last thing I heard was about two weeks. But that, that could really hurt them in terms yeah. of whether they yeah. go down the stands. You could end up with the Spurs who are on a 10-game win streak as poking their nose into the top four. Um, yeah, good. And getting that four. Well, they're right there. You're, you're. Um, well, they're five. One and a half. They're one and a half back from Portland. One and a half, two in the loss column behind Portland. If Portland's a bit dinged up, yeah. And um, I think it's yeah, likely so, the Spurs finish the five and and Portland hold on to that four. To be honest, and I so think yeah, that's probably so you, your four five because the Spurs don't have a extremely tough run home themselves. So the, again, the interesting stories. Look, we've talked a bit about it, but the fact that the Clippers traded where their best player and have seemingly gotten better. So kudos to Doc Rivers for his coaching. Kudos to players like Landry Shamit for shooting the bloody lights out since he's joined. Um, Gallinari has had a pretty healthy season he by has. Gallo's yeah. standards, right? So he's, you know, kudos to him for playing. How many games he played? Yeah, 59 of the 70. That's 71 games. That's pretty good. And, you know, he's been really productive. Montrez Harrell, everyone's favorite rugged, you know, sort of sixth man, big man, bruiser, you know, of the future. Um, Shy Gilgis has completely outplayed, you know, Kevin Knox, you know, from that, you know, the Kentucky backcourt. They stole um, Ivica Zubac from the Lakers, just stole him for, what a joke, was it Mike Muscala or Mike Scott or some worthless idiot that's playing on the Lakers. Pat Beverly, you know, so fired up as all hell, you know, playing, you know, playing good basketball, so... Look, that's a kudos to the to Doc for coaching that team, coaching the crap out of that. Well, team. Well, that was what so, I was going to um, say earlier too, Daz. I mean, we've we've Bud's winning coach of the year, and he's probably going to win it running away. It makes it even more impressive the fact oh, that we have had some of the best coaches. Geez, like you look I at the coach the last several year, years. I know Pop again. We've said Tanya Pop, uh, Nate McMillan, Nate McMillan, yeah, Mike Malone in Denver, who have suffered injuries left, right, and centre this year. They're sitting yeah. equal with Golden State at the moment in the yeah. one seat. They've had um, brutal injuries. Doc Rivers, Yeager. Who you just mentioned Dave Yeager has done a great job. Um, yeah, yep. You know, uh, I think Dwayne Casey, the, even the job he's done, the turn. Detroit, yeah, yeah, get them into a winning winning record. 
um, you sort of giving honourable mentions. Even if you go down, you look at what Lloyd Pierce has done in Atlanta. Um, he's coaching the heck out of that team down there. I'm not yep. suggesting he should be coached the year or burn any other year, but the, the no, coaching oh, jobs we're seeing yep. across Kenny the Kenny Atkinson, yeah. Yep. Really, with the exception yep. of the pathetic job that Brad Stevens has done in Boston, it's been a great year. Embarrassing. It has him and Scott, Scotty Brooks, although who would have wanted that job description in Washington? That's very harsh on Scotty That's really harsh. It's really Scotty. Yeah, that's right. That's um, I've got to say, Kokoshkov has been a... I know it's hard to say with the train wreck in Phoenix, but has he done anything? I don't know if that experiment is working well, out. So. let's see. I mean, they did the Golden State. That, that was the, the revenge game. Bucks twice, them. yeah. They beat yeah, the Bucks right. twice and Golden State once. So. Dicks. I think, I think they've... Uh, I'm more of a believer in Phoenix. I think it's been a better right, season right. for him than, than what some of the other teams um, down that bottom of the... But yeah, amazing, hard. amazing coaching. There's no question. And again, Bud is Exhibit A um, around what it can do to a team. You know, they're, they're over-under for the beginning of the season was 47.5 for victories, and they're going to probably beat it by 10 or 12 games and... And that's that's absolutely remarkable. It's one thing to take a 30-win team and make them a 40-win team, Daz, but to take a 45-win team and make them a 60-win team, that's well, that's, the hardest that's leap, pretty special. That's, that's exactly right. From, that's exactly right. So, the, um, what surprised me, and you know, we're going to finish on the Bucks and we start on the Bucks. but what surprised me is how quickly he, has, he integrated his system because Ugh. this is a team without a system, without a direction, without anything at the end of last year. And from the, from the preseason, Daz, th- they were clicking under this system. Yeah, it was it was quite unbelievable. I think the defense probably took a little bit longer to to get in, but the offensive system was straight away. And um, you know, it, it's it really has been a pleasure to watch. I mean, they, I, it's almost thankful that kid was so ineffective that his habits didn't take root. <laughs> Therefore, these amazing professional athletes were just so easily taught a new way and okay this makes more sense right okay all right i'll stop picking my nose and i won't get nosebleeds anymore okay you know <laughs> sure that's why that the bloody nose well i'll tell you the last i'll leave you with this little story this will this will warm your heart so i was watching the bucks uh, game on the weekend i'm not i can't remember who they were playing um and now off the top of my head uh but anyway i was going going for the bucks and heat my, or the Pelicans or something, yeah. I think it was the Heat. Yeah. It was the it was yeah. then when they were coming back in that second half against the Heat. Oh yeah, that great second half you said. Yeah. And I said uh, seventy-one to thirty-five in the second half. Yeah. That's right. They were down twenty at half time, and this is the level they've gotten to now. That that's a must watch for me because it's like Giannis is not going to fucking lie down and lose by thirty tonight. He's going to come no. out breathing fire, which he did yeah. in the second half. And anyway, my son's. Friend who sort of half follows basketball. He he, he watches a few games when he when when he comes over. Yeah. And I'm watching him. And uh, Jacob said to me, my son, "Who are you going for?" And I said, "I'm going for the Bucks." And he's um, without missing boot. His friend says, "Well, they'd be expected to win because they've got Giannis." Oh, <laughs> love these boys. That's right. And sure enough, that and, and they didn't just win those. They won easily. It was just. It was ridiculous. Well, that was the thank you for ending there. That was a was a heartwarming story. Is this is a, literally the first time in NBA history a team who was down by twenty at halftime won by more by than more 11. than more than eleven. It was turned out to be fifteen. Well, why points, you, why right? you so, didn't just say by fifteen? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> 
I know what a, what a Lance, but uh, yeah. So that that's that's that was really fun. That was that was pretty special to watch. That actually, I did every minute of that second half. That was well. That I was, was watching um, yeah. the same time. I turned over and watched the the Phoenix Houston game. Ended up close, and um, I quick shout out to Kelly Ubro Jr. because he's been playing really well in Phoenix yeah. uh, recently. Yeah. He he defended the heck out of James Harden in that game. And the Phoenix uh, commentator yeah. asked the colour guy, he said, Who, who's your MVP? Because they're watching Harden. And, and we're yeah. there, not even a split second thing about it, he said, Giannis. <laughs> he says, not close. That's and he said, yeah, good, yeah. And, he, and the guy said, oh, and he started to try and half-heartedly make an argument for Harden. He said, listen, he said, I'm watching the scores. He said, I'm following the scores here. He goes, I respect winning. He goes, I looked at halftime, Miami were up 20. He said they're now down ten. He said, <laughs> he said, yeah. give me Giannis any day of the week. <laughs> so, and I thought, amen. That's great, amen, brother. Well, my last, the last punctuation mark on this is just reminded me with talking about Jacob and his and his mate. I was in a, I was in a, I was doing some work somewhere in like a food court on, on the weekend, and I had my headphones on, and I saw this family walking through, and there was a, a young guy, a young kid. He must have been, I don't know, eight nine years old. Poor. <laughs> Poor little chubby kid, right? But lo and behold, um, he had a number 34 Milwaukee, a, a Giannis jersey on. And um, social decorum, you know, caught me where I wanted to take a photograph of this kid. <laughs> but I thought, probably don't want to be the old guy in the food court, snap photos of a child. But I desperately wanted to go over and, and you know, pat him on the back and take a photo with him and pretend I was, you know, and the biggest fan he's he's ever met but uh that was nice to see in this innocuous suburban food court where i was on the weekend um little fans are popping up everywhere Des, well, get so used to it, Des. Maybe, it's his world now as we're just living in it ever since he dragged his junk along tim hardaway's back of his neck <laughs> i think that maybe that's 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 the that was number four the all-star game lebron the dunk in his rookie year and and that the remarkable the Gus Johnson call when he dunked over Hardaway. <laughs> so there great. you go, great junk dragger. All, All right, right buddy, we'll, we'll leave it there. That was good to catch up tonight. We'll uh, we'll try and make it a regular thing as we head into the uh, the playoffs. Um, these last couple of weeks of the season and sort of see. We got to do our we got to do our season with the voting. We got to do coach of the year, rookie of the year. We got to do our ballots, don't we? Here soon, all NBA. So yeah, we'll get. Getting... I might argue for James Harden again for MVP just to get an argument out of you. That's <laughs> okay. I don't think it'll be as fierce as my. Uh, why I was, boy, I was defending LeBron last year, wasn't I? Jeez, <laughs> which is a uh, anyway. All the times have changed. Yeah. All okay, right, buddy. Pal. Good to chat to you, pal. No worries, mate. Talk soon. Take care, buddy. Bye.